welcome to Spawn, a common sense, generally fun, and hopefully helpful discussion on parenting and parenting culture. Hey, I'm Liz Gumbiner, and I'm the co-founder of CoolMomPicks.com. Sadly, Kristen is out this week with a cold, and she is so bummed because, you guys, wow, I am so excited to be joined by Tony-winning Broadway actor and now children's book author, Allie Stroker. And of course, we'll close out our show with our cool picks of the week. And I can't wait to jump right in with her right after this. This episode of Spawned is brought to you by Tile Picks, a super cool and very easy way to hang your favorite photos on your wall. No tools required. Simply upload your favorite photos on their app, pick how many framed lightweight tiles you want, and then when they arrive at your door, Hang them up with magnets that stick right on your wall, no matter what kind of wall you have, no damage. You can use as few or as many as you want. Tell a story with a gallery or use their splits feature, which turns a single photo into cool mosaic art. And they're so simple to move around, you can swap them out and mix them up if you want a change of scenery. The high-quality frames are sustainably made in the U.S., and the images are printed with the highest quality inks and papers to preserve your memories, making tile picks a terrific keepsake gift, too, for a graduate for Father's Day, anniversaries, new babies, basically any special occasion. Just head over to tilepicks.com slash CMP and use code COOLMOMS for 60% off your order of 12 or more, plus free FedEx shipping. That's tilepicks, T-I-L-E-P-I-X dot com slash CMP. Use code COOLMOMS for 60% off your order of 12 or more plus free FedEx shipping. So let me tell you a little bit more about Ally Stroker. You may not know her, but she is definitely a household name in my Broadway-loving home. <laughs> Allie made history as the first actor in a wheelchair to appear on Broadway in Deaf West's acclaimed 2015 revival of Spring Awakening. She went on to win the 2019 Tony Award for Best Featured Actress in a Musical for playing Ado Annie in Rodgers and Hammerstein's Oklahoma, and it was so well-deserved. Best Ado Annie I've ever seen, and and that's saying something. She's uh, performed her cabaret act at Green Room 42, soloed at the Kennedy Center in D.C., New York's Town Hall, Lincoln Center for the Performing Arts, Carnegie Hall, you know, just like a few small places, nothing big. She's working her way up. <laughs> but you may have also seen her all over TV. She's been in 12 episodes of The Glee Project, winning a guest role on Fox's Glee. You may have caught her in shows like 10 Days in the Valley, Blue Bloods, Instinct Charmed, and one of my favorites, Comedy Central's Drunk History, in which she actually reenacted the role of disability rights activist Judy Human, who was largely responsible for federal buildings becoming accessible by law. So Ellie's mission is to improve the lives of others through the arts, whether you're disabled or not. And one of the ways she's doing this is through her first novel, which is already a huge success. The middle grade novel, The Chance to Fly, just came out last month. It tells the story of a theater-loving girl who uses a wheelchair for mobility and what happens when she gets her dream to perform and is cast in a kid's production of Wicked. It's got fantastic reviews. It's already an Amazon editor's pick for kids 9 to 12. And I am so excited to talk about this and more. Welcome. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Oh my gosh, I'm so happy you're here. I just have to say, I have two serious musical theater loving kids and they'll be embarrassed I'm saying this. My oldest is a drama student at Frank Sinatra. And there are only a few guests in more than 200 episodes of Spawned where my kids have opened their eyes wide and thought I was actually a cool mom. So you are tied with Evangeline Lilly. Oh, thank <laughs> 
Thank you. Thank you. That's so sweet. I love that we're going to talk today about theater and about all of the things. One of the things that I've been so inspired by lately is young people who are just doing so many cool things right now, despite everything that's going on in the world. And The Chance to Fly just came out, and I'm so excited to chat with you about it. I know. I'm excited, too. It's it's a great book. Uh, spoiler alert, but we'll get to that in a second. So listen, first of all, I just want to know like how life has changed for you. I know there's like been a pandemic and all that. But since the Tony, because that was a really big moment for the world, for disability rights activists, for musical theater, do you get recognized now? Like, Has that changed things for you? Uh, yeah, it has. It's totally changed my life winning the Tony. And then, you know, the masks definitely are like a little more, we don't say hi to the people that we recognize <laughs> maybe. But before the pandemic, you know, I was living in New York City and it felt like everywhere I went, people were like, we loved you in Oklahoma. So the support has just been unbelievable. Oh my gosh. That's great. I think your performance was so great because you weren't Ado Annie in a wheelchair. You were just Ado Annie. It was Thanks. such a phenomenal performance in the production. And, Thank you. You know, I'm excited to talk to you about this in general because I think talking plainly about people who are differently abled or have physical disabilities or limitations, sometimes it feels like that's lower on the list when we talk about mm -hmm. inclusivity than say gender, race, sexual identity. So I wanted to start by kind of labeling what we're talking about. I'm not even entirely sure if I'm using the best language. Like, I know a lot of disability activists have different views on what to be called. Is there yeah. a particular way you refer to yourself or you like to talk about it? I always use the word disability because, first of all, I have now gotten to a place in my life where I feel proud of being a part of that community. For a long time, I think I was so afraid and I had a lot of shame about having a disability, but it's definitely something that I feel proud of at this point in my life. And I also like to use the language disability for like parking and bathrooms, but like it really depends on how people like to identify. And that's different depending on who you are and where you've been and your, your relationship to disability. I think that's really helpful. I mean, I've always kind of subscribed to the idea that we should call people people what they want to be called. And I think it's hard when there's a lot of different perspectives, but it's also still evolving. And one thing I noticed that you say is you say people who use wheelchairs for mobility versus people in wheelchairs. Am I noticing that correctly? Is that a deliberate choice? That is a deliberate choice. And it just comes down to being a little bit more specific. And for me, like talking about the person first, like people who use wheelchairs, for mobility versus like a wheelchair person. <laughs> like, <laughs> like we talk about the person first. You know, what I have found in my life a little bit is that sometimes people get really distracted by my disability or my wheelchair. And I always just like try to bring their eyes up to my eyes to just remind them that like, I'm a person. I am right here. And I'm just like you. I just use this for mobility. You know, I understand that in a different way now. This has become really personal for me. Our listeners know this, but several years ago, my dad, who's in his 70s, but otherwise super healthy, he was run over by a taxi in the city and he yeah. now gets around on a wheelchair for the rest of his life. Wow. You know, your life changes in a second. Mm -hmm. And I suddenly saw the world so differently because of that. Yeah. Just barriers I hadn't noticed. It was like everything lit up. Like there were neon signs over the wheelchair ramps that didn't go all the way down to the street or that had puddles in front of them. So he couldn't go through them on an electric wheelchair. Exactly. Or like the restaurants he always went to that have two little steps up to the front door and he can't go in them because even with the ramp, the door isn't wide enough. And I just thought, God, so many things that I 
never saw before that you probably see all the time. Are there things like that specific to kids who are in wheelchairs? Well, a lot of it is entrances that the entrances are not where the main entrances are. And so sometimes you end up like by the trash room or you end up like in the back. And sometimes it just doesn't feel as nice coming in to places. And that's something that I always sort of like pushed aside and was like, oh, whatever, it's fine. But as I become older and I'm like, I am equal to everybody else. And I deserve to have that experience as well. So I always tell businesses if their handicap entrance is in the back to clean it up a little bit, like don't leave all the trash in the back. That doesn't make somebody feel good. Yeah. My daughter last summer performed a cabaret show at a unnamed famous cabaret place <laughs> west of Broadway. Yes. My dad was so excited to go and they said, yes, we have a ramp. And then when he showed up, it was like this teeny little thing for people who would like wheel in cartons. He couldn't get through it. And so he had to sit in the bar across the street and wait for us to be done. And it was horrible. And like, I don't think people realize like it's not just about accessibility. It's about families and supporting each other, equality, equality, what we can do together, what we can't do together, what's left out opportunities. So I'm just so grateful to your having increased visibility because I think you help elevate the issue as well. Thank you. Yeah, it's really important to me. Speaking of visibility, which helps lead to changes, are you you seeing other changes that are going to start happening in theater specifically or are we still working on it like i'm excited to see broadway reopening but i also know that there's a lot of momentum right now toward making theaters and spaces more safe and inclusive specifically for bipoc trans disabled folks so what are you right. seeing from your end so the first part of things is you know accessibility for patrons of the theater has been pretty mainstream we see that there is handicapped seating or seating in the back of the orchestra usually where they can take a seat out but we don't talk much about backstage and that has been an issue for a long time because backstage is usually the older part of these buildings so it's not usually accessible now I have been really fortunate the two Broadway shows that I've done the producers have made it accessible They've done the construction in order to make it accessible, but the backstages are not. And so my hope is as more and more, I hope more and more disabled artists are hired to work backstage on productions, that those adjustments will be made. And in so many ways, you know, I know that bringing Broadway back has been a topic of conversation about how to make things safe. And I do my part as far as talking about accessibility. But I hope that producers and theater owners are wanting to make those changes backstage because it's so important. You know, I've had anxiety when I've been hired on a Broadway show of just like, I hope that we can make it accessible because it's not a guarantee. Mm. And like you said, for patrons as well. And we talk a lot about representation on Spawned. And I think about all the kids that may be using wheelchairs that see you and suddenly think, oh, maybe I could be a performer. Maybe there's something I can do. Maybe this won't hold me back. That's what I love so much about the book. So I'm hoping you can just talk a little bit more about it and how it came to be and why you wanted to write A Chance to Fly. Yeah. Representation has just been such a driving force for me in my career because growing up, I really had very little content where I saw myself represented. I really didn't see hardly any 
people in wheelchairs on television and in books or movies or not at all on stage. And so I have felt so strongly about creating representation because it matters because I was so lucky and my parents were always like, we believe in you, you can do anything. And I believed in myself. But for a lot of kids, it's so important to see themselves represented in arenas that they want to pursue. And even like as a teenager specifically, I remember being so afraid of certain moments because I just didn't know if I was going to be able to manage or be able to like survive in certain situations. And so when we wrote The Chance to Fly, me and my co-author Stacey Davidowitz, we wanted the story to be really fun and theater centric, but I really also wanted to represent and write about those moments when I felt vulnerable, when I was afraid, when I was frustrated, when I was angry, because I had never, ever heard anyone talk about these things. And it made me feel alone. And for people with disabilities, they shouldn't feel alone. One in five Americans live with a disability. We are out here and we are doing things. And so that voice, that narrative, I just really, really wanted it to exist for young people. And you can really feel how personal it is. Like, I'm sure Nat has a lot of you in her. Yes, exactly. (laughs) It opens with a a quote from Oklahoma, right? (laughs) And that was written before So we've been working on this book for like three years, right? It takes a long time to get things. Yes. So that line was written before I was cast in Oklahoma. Oh my gosh. It was meant to be. That's crazy. Isn't that crazy? Yes. So I know that it's really meaningful for kids to see themselves reflected back. And I'm wondering if you've gotten feedback from kids. Like I was looking at Amazon. You have great reviews. And I know they usually tell authors like, don't read your reviews. But what are you seeing and hearing? Like, is there any particular comment that stood out to you or anything? that's felt particularly meaningful? Well, I try not to read too many of the comments just because (laughs) from my theater experience, I sort of made the commitment to myself to not read reviews. So I try not to dive too deep into them, but I have seen a few young people write about how they have been waiting to see their life and their voice represented in an authentic way. And that's a big thing, Liz, is that I think that people are trying to write more characters with disabilities. But as far as the details, and the real experience that's behind it, you can always tell from my own experience. Like when I see a disability represented, I can always tell if somebody with a disability wrote that or if somebody who is able-bodied wrote that. And, uh-huh. and it makes a difference. It really makes a difference because there's just details and there's life experience that comes along with it. Even just the way that we speak about disability, I just feel like we talk right now a lot about storytelling and who those storytellers should be. And of course, I think more and more disabled characters, the better. However, it makes a big difference when you can really feel the authenticity in those characters and in those voices. That makes perfect sense. And to me, I think that's why also the book is so successful. I know that you don't want to look at the ratings, but just so you know, you've got close to 40 now on Amazon so far in just a few weeks and you have five stars. So people love oh, the book universally. Thank you. And, and I think it works on a couple levels because as you're saying, for those kids who do use wheelchairs, they're going to feel how real it is from your experience. But I think it's important for kids who do not have physical disabilities to read these books as well. I mean, we talked about that a lot with the success of Wonder. Absolutely. That's huge. I mean, for so many kids, if they don't have a 
classmate or a friend in a chair, they have zero experience with it. And therefore, when they go out into the world and they meet people with disabilities, the first thing that comes up is fear, just because you don't know and don't have any experience with them. So if this book, The Chance to Fly, can give somebody who doesn't have a disability an opportunity to read and understand what it's like to have a disability. And then out in the world, they're able to have more compassion and understanding and feel more comfortable. Like that is the dream to me. I love that. Also because there's a fantasy element in it. It's just a good story. It's a fun read. It feels like very now. Yes, exactly. Like the way you reference texting and you reference, you know, cross-country moves. And there's just things in it that I think all kids will feel that they can relate to in this age group, regardless of how you might get around. <laughs> 100%. I mean, when we were writing this and working with Stacy, she has written a lot of middle grade books. She understands, and it was really important to me, that this all feels really approachable. Yes, it's very approachable. I mean, it's fun. It kind of sucks you in right from the beginning. I'm not even sure if when people go online, if they're able to kind of do the preview of the first few pages, but I think it's the kind of book parents will read a couple pages and feel like they have to order it because it's just that fun. I'm going to definitely read it with my 11-year-old stepdaughter this summer. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Thank you. Are you thinking about sequels? I mean, that's a great character. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I would love to make a sequel. And also, like, her whole group of friends, the Broadway Bounders, I think that there's so many fun directions to go. Oh, my gosh. Okay. I'm not going to throw out any ideas. I just want to hear yours. So I'll wait and (laughs) hear what you do with it. You're Um, so sweet. Thank you. Listen, I just have to ask one more question. This is on behalf of my daughter, but she told me to phrase this in the form of a comment and not a question, but I'm, I'm going to ask okay. her anyway. So first of all, she wants okay. you to know she is in awe of how you are able to belt while sitting down. Oh my gosh, thank you. <laughs> That's all she could talk about. I can't believe how well she belts. Oh my gosh, she's such a good belter. So Aww. are there any secrets for other musical theater kids who may be using wheelchairs and sitting down and trying to get to that next level? Well, first of all, I've never sung standing up. It's just like not what I do. So it just has always felt like normal to me to sing sitting down. And for me, singing has never been about the specific mechanics physically. It's always been sort of like an emotional release. And so when you put like an emotional intention and like an emotional expression behind what you're doing, your voice is going to carry. That's just something that we do as human beings. And then I also think one of the things that's been on my side is I have a lot of resonance in my voice, Mm -hmm. which is like the nasality, which allows your voice to really carry far. So tell your daughter, thank you. And I also have spent years and years like imitating the people that I love like their voices. So I'll listen to Kristen Chenoweth. I'll listen to Adina Menzel. I'll listen to Sutton Foster. I'll listen to Sherry Renee Scott. And I'll like just mimic and imitate and try to do the things that they do and then make it my own. That is such good advice. And I imagine now there's going to be lots of other Broadway folks or aspiring Broadway folks who are going to be imitating you. Well, thank you so much. So Allie, what's the best place to find you? Like on social media, where do you hang out? Are you on Instagram, Twitter? I'm on Instagram. Instagram. Instagram is really my fave. Um, I'm not on Twitter. Well, I have a handle, but I don't really participate because uh, I find it to be a little overwhelming. So. It's, it's a little crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's a wild world. <laughs> but I love Instagram. I think it's a wonderful place to share, you know, what you're up to and the things that you love and that are important to you. So I'm just at Ali Stroker. Excellent. And you have a great feed, by the way. Like the Broadway folks Thank have some you. of my favorite feeds. Like it just feels like a community. Yeah. And to 
those people who see Broadway stars as big stars, like there's something so grounded about the community in terms of how they support each other and causes out there and how they put their communal voices together to do good things in the world. And I just, yeah. I think I just love that so much. Well, thank you so much. And thank you for your support with the book and with everything that I do. It means so much to me. Oh my gosh, of course. And so listen, you're going to stick around for cool picks of the week. Yes, I am. Excellent. We'll be back with that right after this. Hey, this is Kristen here, and I'm pretty excited to talk to you about our sponsor, Prisma. As many of you have experienced yourselves, you know that school this year has been a challenge for a lot of kids. While some schools have really risen to the occasion like ours, other schools are struggling. They're figuring out how to adapt to kids schooling from home and the hybrid models and keeping them engaged and interested. And you know, parents are struggling too. So here's what Prisma does. They offer an online alternative to traditional school for fourth to eighth graders who want to continue school from home or anywhere really. And right now their fall 2021 admissions are open. So you can register as a homeschooler. They can actually help with that. And then you'll have the ability to register your child in this educational program that's focused on developing 21st century skills like creativity, critical thinking, and collaboration, not standardized testing. Kids will be in cohorts of about 50 to 70 students. Each coach is assigned to 12 to 18 students, and you know what? They really get to know them. Prisma offers a flexible curriculum that adapts to every child's interests and learning speed, which means your fourth to eighth grader can learn what they're curious about, all while getting the attention they deserve from Prisma's teachers and expert coaches. Admissions for Fall 21 are live right now, and they're filling fast. Go to joinprisma.com to schedule a call or learn more. Prisma is open to any student in 4th to 8th grade who can attend class in U.S. time zones. So visit joinprisma.com to schedule a call or just learn more. Well, now it's time for... Cool Picks of the Week! Cool Picks of the Week! And Allie, as our esteemed guest, you get to go first. All right. My cool pick of the week is the book Between Two Kingdoms, and it's a memoir of a life interrupted by Sulika Jawad, and she had a New York Times column called Life Interrupted. She got leukemia when she was like 21 years old and basically journaled through the entire experience, ended up surviving, and then took this unbelievable road trip to meet all the people that had reached out to her while she was sick. And the book is unreal. It is so good. I was like teary through the whole thing. It was so beautifully written and I just couldn't recommend it more. Ooh, I'm so glad to hear that. I know I've heard a lot about it. It only came out a couple months ago, I think, but it's like really popular and I hear a lot about it and I love memoirs, especially from women. And thank you. I appreciate the recommendation. That is very cool. Of course. So my cool pick, this actually isn't something I've seen yet, but I want to give a shout out to Disney Junior because they're launching something called Rise Up and Sing Out. They're going to be doing an animated short series about race, racism, and social justice to introduce the concepts to kids two to seven. It includes music by Questlove and Black Thought of the Roots, who are also executive producing it. And it's produced by the studio who did the Hair Love animated short. And I think it's going to be amazing. And I love seeing a huge network that reaches so many kids like Disney Junior walking into this with people, like you said, people who are talking about it from lived experience. That's amazing. I know. I'm excited for it. So hopefully when it's out, I can come back and actually recommend it like firsthand. 
Well, thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Spawned. Huge thanks to our guest, Ali Stroker, and to our awesome engineer, John Bowen. And hey, if you've got a minute and can leave us a five-star review, we would greatly appreciate your time. It just takes a second and it really helps other listeners like you find us. And hey, be sure to subscribe. All you have to do is click that little subscribe button right now, right there in that device you're holding in your hand, unless you're driving, then you can do it later. Also, join us in our Spawn podcast community on Facebook, where we chat about the show topics and pretty much anything else you'd like to talk about. There's been actually some really sweet, heartfelt conversations in there lately about some of the issues parents are having with their kids these days, and the thoughtful responses from the community are wonderful. You're all great. We love you guys. Thank you so much for listening to Spawned. This is Liz. Kristen will definitely be back next episode, promise, with another really incredible guest. Yay for that. Have a great day. Bye. Bye.